Hello and welcome to episode 30 of what we're listening to. Uh, my name is Josh, 30 years old, and I'm one of your hosts with me as always. And finally exiting his rebellious phase, Asher, how are you, sir? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good. I don't know if my rebellious phase is over, but, you know, maybe it's just uh, downgraded a tiny bit in my 30s. I think it's finally time to put off the sleeveless leather jacket you've been constantly wearing. Yes, that's true. It is a common feature of my wardrobe. With all the skulls on it. You need to save your energy. I've got a hard quiz. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. No, it may not be hard. Um, so one of the things that I want to talk about today a little bit later is Coldplay. Um, and so I have a Coldplay quiz. You might actually know this one. It might not be hard at all. Um, what were Coldplay called when Chris Martin and Johnny Buckland first oh, became a band? Because it was you... just them. There are two I... options. Because they were called one thing, and then when Guy Berryman and Will Champion joined, they renamed themselves to something different. Can you tell me either of the names? I feel like I used to know this, and it has yep. long gone from my memory. They're both bad. Is one of them like Smile or something like that? No. No. Um, no my, I'll give you a well, one of them is two words put together again, like Coldplay. Nothing? No, it's it's not in my brain. Okay, so when they first, when when um Chris Martin and Johnny Buckland first became a band, they were called Pectorals, <laughs> um, with a Z at the end. <laughs> and then when the I other like two that. joined, Guy and Je- uh, Will. They were called starfish. That's that's right. Starfish. Yeah. Um. And so yeah. And that would name. Then Coldplay was finally suggested by a local student who had been using the name for his group. So they transferred the name Coldplay to. I mean, it's still Coldplay. not a great name. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> but it it is now synonymous with the band that is Coldplay. So yeah. you know. When you hear the word Coldplay, you think of lush sounds and simple melodies and, I don't know, a piano. Pectoral muscles. Colourful Christmas. <laughs> Pectoral muscles. <laughs> what were they studying at uni? What did they study? Because maybe that had something to do, like, were they studying medicine or something? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, they all met at uni, I know, but I don't know what they were studying. Anyway. <sighs> Unfortunate for me. Uh, do you have any catch-ups, sir? Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a little bit of catch up. Um, last episode, I talked about um, Indian Runner and I, I'm kind of eating my words a little bit because I have been playing his his um, album, I Don't Know, um, or is it, what's it called? IDK, What Happens Next or something like that. Yeah. Um, I've been playing it a lot, um, like a lot, lot. And I've been really enjoying this album a lot more than I kind of thought based upon his short Instagram videos. I mean, I still really like what he's doing at the moment, but at first I was like, oh, this album isn't really doing for me like what I saw Mm. online. Mm. But if you would like something that's kind of like, um, yeah, there there are times it's a little bit too poppy for me, but at the same time, these are really beautiful songs. And if you want something kind of lush, Bonnie Ver like, but like I said, a little bit more movement 
and that sort of thing, check out IDK What Happens Next um, by Indian Run on yeah. Spotify. So, I must admit, yeah. I have actually been listening to that a bunch too. Um, mm, nice. It's I enjoy his voice more than Justin Vernon's, I think. Um, oh, wow. It's a little nice. more pleasant to listen to. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like Justin Vernon stretches himself a lot when he sings and Mm. to to get a a particular effect going. And so it's not always the nicest thing to listen to when he's like got all these layers and effects on top of this like scraggly high pitched voice that he's doing. Um, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Indian Run has um, a lot, like a really nice voice and he doesn't multi track it nearly as much as Justin Vernon. Yeah. So yeah, I've also been listening to a ton of Squid um, in the last couple uh, of weeks. Nice. I don't, well, you got it on vinyl, didn't you? Yeah, I got it on record, and it's um, it's pretty fun. the The records have printed on them the length of time each side is, like ten, seventeen, mm-hmm. or fifteen, eighteen, and then you can see most often than not, it's like two tracks on one side. And you're like, oh my goodness, oh, man. some of these songs are so <laughs> long. Yeah. yeah. I told you that they were like, they had some Instagram story about like, didn't think we'd have an album out that would be longer than Godspeed use, but here we are kind of thing. No. Like yeah. making eight minute songs. Can't do it. I remember in the previews on social media, they would always have the time of the track kind of yeah. ticking away. Yeah, which is an interesting aesthetic. They had that whole album had some really interesting visuals to it, like the narrator video, which kind of seems like a generated Google map sort of, you know, 3D landform sort of thing. Yeah, like a weird deep learning kind of image. Yeah, demented world sort of halo view where it was like the, yeah, ellipsis sort of like construction. Anyway, I'm getting off track. That's right. That's all the ketchup I have. Yeah, the only other thing was I I was listening a bit to the playlist and having listened to Zoom's covers, um, they were very beautiful. Yeah. I like them. I didn't know the songs, but they were just nice to listen to. Beautiful instrumental kind of parts and that sort of thing. And, yeah, he's doing some great stuff. Excited. I like it. More Zoom. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well... Review time. Move into the reviews. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we should have a small disclaimer at the start of these uh, reviews. I don't know how this ended up happening, but both of the albums we uh, listened to this time have pretty um, morose or serious subject ma- uh, matter to them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so just if you're, I don't know, feeling a bit sad, <laughs> maybe don't listen to these yeah. albums at the moment. <laughs> Um, so, uh, my album, um, is the second release from East coast, um, alternative punk band fiddlehead called between the riches, uh, between the richness. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Uh, their Mm. first album springtime and blind is probably my favorite record of 2018. Um, I listened to that so many times and, Mm. uh, fiddlehead are an amalgamation of a number of, American hardcore punk bands uh, from the early 2000s and 90s that kind of like come together for something special in the later kind of part of their career. And it's interesting because usually the kind of emotional feeling you get with punk bands is one of like youth 
and inexperience um, when mm. it comes to life. And I think you get the opposite with Fiddlehead. Like these, you know, these dudes have, you know, enough musical experience to, you know, make interesting songs, but also have yeah. gone through quite a bit in life, you know. Um, so you kind of get like lyrically songs that are more than, you know, in the car. I just can't wait to pick you up for the very first date. Like the songs aren't like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So ultimately, uh, you have these really great records that are about grief. Um, and the the first record I'll mention a little bit is from the view of the singer uh, Pat Flynn's mother coming to terms with the death of her husband. Um, mm. And then this album is more about the singer dealing with the death of his father himself, especially after becoming a new father in the meantime. Um, right. And so it's uh, it's fascinating that, you know, albums that usually deal with this kind of somber emotiveness are usually pretty um, morose or melodramatic, whereas this record is more the kind of the emotional urge you have to, like, you know, yell and scream and, you know, do something about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Music the, really matches the, the vibe and yeah. Yeah. The kind of grief in some ways. Um, so the band talks about how they made their first album and that was kind of like a thing they just wanted to do. And then they realized as they were like playing gigs around the area that it was really resonating with a lot of people. Um, and you can kind of watch some of these clips and you have, you know, people in their twenties or younger, who are, um, you know, really connecting with the music and, you know, yelling and um, going along with the lyrics. And that's kind of uh, what inspired them to to keep going and make the second record. You know, it's, um, hmm. um, what's the, it's like a thing John Lennon used to do in the 70s, the primal scream therapy, <laughs> I think. Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I it's, I don't know if I'll go with like the song by song, but this is a very like emotionally cognizant record, and I for one love that kind of thing. Um, also, the amazing drumming doesn't hurt either. Oh, it's great musicianship. Yeah, yeah. I listened to the first. So I listened to um, their most recent album, Between the Riches, Richness. Sorry, and um, and then I listened to pretty much all of springtime and blind um and they're both very short i couldn't get over um how quickly they went by yeah and i like i must confess i didn't get a chance to properly dig into the lyrics but i could kind of tell what was going on a little bit yeah um, i mean you look at the track names as well grief motif and they're very beautiful um like I did mention that they kind of sound like a mature blink. Like <laughs> they do have the the beautiful melodies and great guitar parts and that sort of thing. It's like if Blink One Eight Two had actually written something. Well, they they had a couple of serious songs, but like if they'd written things a little bit more maturely and thought a little bit more deeply about some of the things that they mm. they could sing about. I mean, these guys are quite different, but in my mind, that was what, where I was jumping off. The thing that really stood out for me was I loved all the the use of like the telephone recordings. Yeah. Um, on Springtime and Blind, it was quite moving. I've always found 
like candid conversation and like that sort of thing, very beautiful in in instrumental music. And so there's one track on Springtime and Blind where it's a phone call and a dad is in the area or something. Is this the dad, uh, the um, father who passed away? I don't actually like, know. Yeah, anyway, it, it was just this conversation, seems like a daughter and her father and like he's turned up in the in the state or in the city just on chance. And it's very, yeah, it's a very beautiful song where you're kind of enthralled by this phone conversation and meanwhile the music is kind of in the background but very supportive. And I just thought it was a really lovely track. I need to check what track it was. Yeah, there's a number of um, set voice samples. Um, I think mm. in, um, in this album, the new album, there's a track which is about the... Um, the opioid crisis going on in North America. Right. Which one is it? Uh, Life Notice, one of the last tracks. And it's kind of a um, a woman describing the life of her friend as she slowly gets taken over by, you know, fentanyl overdoses and that kind of stuff and eventually passes right. away. <coughs> but Gosh. the whole thing is basically yeah. a, sp- a, sp- a spoken word um, track. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, I, um, I admire that in kind of this kind of music. Um, in yeah. the same way, um, uh, Slaughter Beach Dog kind of do the same sort of thing, some spoken word, yeah. um, instrumental sort of things. I, I dig that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I, I, I first loved Fiddlehead for their musicality. Um, it's pretty, mm. um, I don't know, for me, it's appealing punk rock and then um once you start digging it's actually i think quite emotionally re- resonant and well thought out which is why i appreciate it more now uh, yeah so uh if you want a great punk album between the richness by fiddlehead recommended yeah definitely yeah i'm gonna give it a few more spins over the next few weeks because i'd like to kind of understand them a little bit more but initial reactions were great um, okay, how about you, sir? What are you listening to? Um, so as Josh warned, um, both of our albums are a little bit sad and poignant. Um, I have been listening to an album called Everywhere at the End of Time by The Caretaker. Um, on a funnier note, it is 12 times longer than Fiddlehead's <laughs> album. Um, it's, so I stumbled across, across this a while back and didn't really get it like as in I saw some references to it but then just just as I was thinking about what I wanted to listen to in the next for the next kind of few weeks I stumbled across this and so what it is it's a it's a six hour ambient album um, which is centered around dementia mm. and um, the different stages that a person in their elder age can go through. Now, I don't know a lot about dementia, um, but there was some information and some things and the history of this album uh, was quite interesting to read about. So it it was released in stages in um, over the course of a couple of years. Um, and so each stage was a different reflection of um, what someone might go through if they're experiencing dementia. Um, and some, it kind of got popular on social media 
um, for people wanting to listen through the entirety of it. Um, and and some people were critical about it, belittle, like making a bit of a joke out of it. Um, but others mm. were like, well, this is really good that um, it's become a focus and people are actually thinking about Alzheimer's and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of been a bit in people's minds over the past few years. Um, but I was, I was just interested because I really like ambient music and I like interesting concepts and the way um, a concept can be represented through instrumental sounds is yep. really interesting to me. So I've only given it one and a half listens, um, <laughs> partly because it's also re- tricky to like kind of catch back up to where you are. The structure of the album and the, the music, so the first, I think it's the first um, three stages yeah. are ballroom samples, like old pre-war ballroom songs. And the the idea is that they're evoking this memory of like a bygone era. So it's it's like grandparents who yeah, were young around the world wars and they're remembering these beautiful kind of dreamy songs from dance halls and that sort of thing. Um, the sad part is that what happens is these songs are gradually degraded. So they, they become fragmented and filled with noise and kind of chaos and they're broken. The, the tracks are broken or they skip or they repeat sections And as you even talk about this, you kind of go, oh, gosh, like that's a very sad, sad thought about the idea of someone's mind going over early Mm. memories and not being able to fully recall them. And if you read the the notes at the bottom of the album, it it describes each stage and what is happening there. But um, I guess I'm not an expert on that, so I want to kind of, I'll talk about the music primarily, but... So, yeah, gradually over the course of the album, these three stages of ballroom music kind of begin to really fall apart. And then once you get into stage four, five and six, um, the tracks get longer and longer and longer. Well, not they all start to sit around 20 minutes in length and they become very hard to like understand. There's kind of no form or structure and, and there's, it's kind of very chaotic and very dark and very long and drony. But then there's some really interesting things like in amongst it, there are moments of like real beauty. There's like small coral parts of, and like beautiful things. But then by the end, it's, yeah, it's very dark and very bleak. And so um, as you listen to the album, I think the realization of what you're listening to really sets in. I think that I was a bit too like, oh, this is really curious and interesting at the start. And by the end, I was like, okay, this is a very sad album. And I kind of, I hope I'm not being too flippant with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because the, the project is so large Yeah, to get like yeah. a good handle on it. Because I didn't really feel that it like slipped into the ambient kind of musical tag until you get about three quarters of the way through you get yeah. those longer songs. Cause for the most part, it's, as you said, those ballroom samples and they're kind of okay for the most part mm. for four to five minutes <clears throat> mm. movement. 
Yeah. I but, yeah, um, it's a, yeah. Sorry, keep going. No, no. It's interesting because I I watched a film this year um, about dementia starring um, Anthony Hopkins called The oh, Father, wow. which is also quite a. It's a film shot from his perspective as he slowly goes through the different stages of dementia, basically. Um, mm. And yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how emotively similar this piece is. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. I d- I just found that uh, a curious thing. <clears throat> yeah, I think that the length is important. As tricky it is as to as it is to grasp in your mind, the length does help convey something as well. Yeah, like the of how drawn out um, it can be and how long a person's life is. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of metaphor there to be unpacked, which is what I kind of love about um, what music can do. Is it can kind of put into words what's kind of easy to miss if you just wrote them down like sorry it can put into it can kind of demonstrate without words yeah um where words can sometimes be speed read um this music cannot be rushed in some ways so (laughs) i i recommend listening to this um at least the first three stages and then little bits of the last two it's it's an important album, and it is known as um, so. the The artist is the caretaker, um, and I've forgotten what the person's name is, but this is kind of considered his magnum opus, like his his biggest, most amazing work. Um, and so, yeah, um, I I don't know. It's quite interesting. I'm glad that I've listened to it because I realised that it was a it's a it's a very famous album in the ambient kind of experimental world. Okay. And yeah, I was glad to have listened to it and kind of tried to understand it a little bit. Yeah. I I find actually the first three stages very beautiful. As sad as they are, the ballroom pieces, the like the the crackly nature of it, the like the dreaminess, it's very beautiful music. Mm. Which I suppose is what makes it sad as well. So yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know if that's the most. Um, I don't know if that gives people the best picture into every into this album, but it's it's worth checking out. So yeah, yeah. the pro- the project is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. Should we move time. on to some things that's a little bit brighter? Yeah, let's do it. So. I gave Josh um, something which has been on my list for a little bit of time, something completely different, um, a change of tone from everywhere at the end of time. Um, I gave him an album by a band called Battles, and this album is called Mirrored. Now, this album was introduced to me um, by some friends at uni one time, and it is quite a chaotic album. Um <laughs> It's an instrumental kind of, um, mostly instrumental with some weird vocals on top, but it's kind of like a jam band with synths and, and percussive elements and loops and lots of delay pedals and all this sort of thing. Um, and I, the person who introduced me to it was a drummer and, and 
I think he liked it so much because of all the crazy time signatures and this sort of thing. It's it's kind of like jam complicated music, but yep. it also has uh, it has some really other interesting elements where the songs become more than just jams. They're kind of like fascinating too. So tell me what you thought of Battles <laughs> Mirrored. Yeah, I I feel a little bit like we've um, stumbled into a continuation of last episode's homework where mm-hmm. um, you've given me some like more advanced looping instrumental music from, you know, Tubi the yes. Bells. <clears throat> and I've kind of like yeah, that's true. tried to give you a history piece of like maybe something that would have influenced Squid. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I find it kind of hard to describe this album. I've heard Little Battles before. I've heard the the main single. Um, Atlas. Atlas, yeah, a couple times mm-hmm. outside of this context. Um, I have to I've, ask you what you think they're saying in a bit. Yeah. I think this band suffers a little bit from having an interesting concept, but not enough interesting musical ideas to utilize that concept. Um, mm-hmm. So you kind of, like, the general vibe you get from listening to this record is tons of rhythms, right? Um, yeah. Usually the guitar and keyboard, which are played by the same person at the same time, um, are are mostly in service to kind of keeping the groove going. And yeah. so the drums carry this whole process and you get these like weird vocalizations, but you kind of end up with this weird kind of electro rock, not daft punk not like 70s glam rock of those pieces of it or not like 80s progressive rock it's a weird beast all this stuff together um mm. yeah and i don't know it doesn't really fit into any kind of musical offshoot very comfortably um mm-hmm. especially in like 2007 when this came out it like there's kind of a surge of some electro bands like lcd sound system and Daft yeah, Punk yeah. and Radiohead released albums in this year. And this isn't anything like those. Um, it's really more divergent musically. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So I, I think, sorry, yeah, you, go, go, go for it. Well, no, no, no. I want, I want you to finish. Sorry. I was interrupting you. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, so this album is like essentially just rhythms. That's not fair. It's there's a lot of rhythms and the melodies have trouble, I think, shining through them sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, you, so that kind of jam nature you get, um, like some of these songs you think uh, or I thought would be like, oh, this is like a four minute song. And you look at it, actually, you know, it's like nine minutes and there's half a song left of like a musical build and essentially the same thing as the first kind of half of the song. Um mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being too harsh. <laughs> I mean, I I have an issue with like really long albums. Like I yeah. give you a lot of stuff and I feel bad because like <laughs> you give me something that's 25 minutes long and I can listen to it like a bunch of times. Um I so I think that comes from in my experience having written long songs myself. It comes from like getting lost in the like jam process. Yeah. So I think for bands like Squid, right, I think they talked about how when they were writing a song, when they were just jamming, you know, like you want to sit in a section for a while when you're with people. When you're by yourself, 
you're fine to like move on quickly because you're not actually working with other humans. Yeah. And I think like I imagine Battles played most of these songs and wrote them as a group, right? So yeah. songs like Atlas, right, where there is that end section which takes ages to build up again. Like they go right down and they just come to the, you know, the loop which is going and going and then they add layers and layers and layers and layers. Imagine they're having a whale of a time just like jamming with each other yeah. and you're just sitting there and going, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to keep, <laughs> keep stay here for a bit of time. So I think that that just is born out of writing music as a group. Um, and so I don't really mind that so much because I picture myself being there and being like, yeah, this would be really awesome. And I can see why they might stay in this pocket for a while longer than I'm anticipating just listening to it with my headphones kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think maybe cause I was going through, you know, your album and, you know, fiddlehead at the same time, these like really kind of poignant musical numbers that have mm. like emotion and like meaning behind them. And then I would yeah. go to battles and these guys are just like jamming, making nine minute songs without any real words to them. And I'm like, I like, I don't like, there's nothing, there's no kind of point behind them other than like, let's see how much That's kind fun. of bleep, bleep, bleep drum music we can make kind of thing. Is that a reason though? I, I think that's a reason. It's a different yeah, reason, but it's I guess still so. a reason. I just felt a little cheapened by it, I guess. Maybe I was one of because like you, you can have like a eight minute song, you know, like yeah, like Squid and the the lyrics will play into the builds and the chaos mm. and that kind of it can give it more sense. I don't know. I I feel like playing devil's egg for getting saying <laughs> You know, so what you're saying is you're only allowed to write longer pieces if there's a purpose <laughs> behind it. <laughs> I think n- no, but a whole album of <laughs> of just kind of noise, I feel like you have, you'll have trouble keeping me attention to it. So I, I didn't mind, like, as like I didn't hate yeah, the album. No. It was fun to I'm listen to, but I didn't like it. Didn't change me in any way. No, and that's a fair point. Um, yeah, there is a different connection with an album which is pure fun than an album which is like interesting and fun and poignant at the same time. Um, to be honest, there are like I, I like most of the tracks on this album, um, but they're kind of good as examples of really awesome like rhythms Yeah, more than going. So Race In, it was one of my favorites. Um, and I just like the way the layers were built and the contrasting parts between the like marimba sort of sounds and the whistling and the, and the changes and feels and stuff like that. I, I often use these as examples of like really interesting polyrhythms and, and like Mm. time signature changes and stuff. So it's kind of like musical textbook stuff more than it is like, um, artistic piece. I don't know. I don't know. Like, but I really have enjoyed this album as like, oh, I feel like some jams. I feel like some interesting rhythms. I'll definitely <laughs> go to mirrors. Yeah, jams. I, but, um, yeah. No, I, I think it's, I, I, think I also liked how experimental it was with the vocals. I liked the kind of, um, I can't remember. I always struggle with the names like Diamond and Leyendecker and, and which yeah. ones are the ones with the different um, 
vocal patterns and stuff. I, I think it's an insanely creative album. Maybe you're right, though, in that if they'd have a little bit more like thematic direction, it might help tie it all together. I yeah. guess when I was a university student studying music, I didn't really care. I was just like, <laughs> cool, like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to listen to this. This will give me some cool bass ideas yeah. or whatever. Um, <laughs> but um, I have to ask you, what do you think they're saying in Atlas? What's the oh, line? I don't even. People will be people. I honestly didn't even bother to try and like figure it out. I just kind of imagined that it was part of the rhythm section and just kind of went with that. I think. I think event. I think it's people will be people when they eat a sandwich, but um, yeah. you know, listeners can tell us otherwise if they think it's something different. Anyway, yeah. I feel like I, we've gone over on the, a bit too much on this. But it's, it's yeah. sure, I get. I get the. I get the image that if you played me a battle song from a different album. I probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I haven't heard much of the other stuff, to be honest. Yeah, I'm curious. So hmm. anyway, yeah, uh, interesting and rhythmically very dense. That's very hmm. true. I'm a, I'm a yeah. fan of that. Yeah. No, I'm, glad, I'm glad that there was something in it that you really enjoyed. I'm sorry that it was not like <sighs> totally enamoring, but yeah. <laughs> That's part of the process. Um, okay. You want to tell people uh, about what you gave me? Yes. So I uh, have given Asher the, I don't actually know what number album this is, um, 1989 hmm. alternative music progenitor, the Pixies album, Do Little. Um, this hmm. is often regarded as probably one of the more major starting places for like modern alternative rock music. Um, mm-hmm. Recorded and finished in just under a month. Uh, this wow. album is kind of a strange, rebellious alternative voice in like the 80s pop wasteland because like some of the sounds are ugly and some of the lyrics are gross and, you know, the artwork mm. is awkward and un- unpleasant. Um, but this is often regarded Monkeys. as their most successful and approachable artistic venture, um, mm-hmm. even without the mega hit Where Is My Mind, which is on the album before this one. Um, yeah yeah so what did you think of the pixies doolittle sir yeah so i'm glad you gave me a pixies album because i really do enjoy where is my mind and i like the sound of the pixies like that even in where is my mind how like raw the drums are yeah um and how not unproduced but kind of like you can tell each part and what's happening there and I kind of like that when things feel a little bit separate, like not everything is so well mixed together. It kind of feels like one piece. Mm. I like being able to kind of think about the different elements. So the start of this album with Debaser is great. Um, <laughs> is it just me or is, does, does this feel like um, the start of Joy Division's um, album? Yeah, I um, can see that actually. With the bass line. Is that the, what's the opener? Um, what's the, your favorite bass line off? Oh, my brain. Um, what is it called? <laughs> we can cut this part out. No, I'm no, just going to look it up. It's called Disorder. Is what it's called. Disorder. Yeah, it feels like the bass line off Disorder um, and even the guitar parts. But once the drums come in, it changes feel. But I really, I liked DeBaser as an opener. I thought, I really love the vocals. I don't know about you. Do you really like their vocals? Yeah, I think um, Black Francis can kind of 
he goes back and forth between being really appealing and really unappealing vocally. Yeah, that's true. It, it's just like, um, uh, what's I'm jumping ahead, but like, if um, man is if number five is man and number six is the devil, number seven is yeah. something. You know this one? And he just starts um, screaming. <laughs> if the devil is six, and <laughs> but um, it's like it's quite emotive and he's really good at like conveying these lyrics with some sort of passion and meaning is this what you mean by like squid followed after them in this or yeah i mean yeah i, I would say the dramatic vocals yeah not followed after necessarily but like have some things influenced by for sure right yeah yeah so um the drums have a little too much verb on them for me but i guess that's the <laughs> overhang of the 80s so. <laughs> um I like I Bleed. I really like the female vocals. Um, it kind of feels like um, Where Is My Mind again? The, um, yeah. Really airy female vocals contrasting with the like really scratchy male vocals. Um, and I like that. I think it's a great combo and they work really well together. Um, I've noticed that Here Comes Your Man is very famous, but I just did not like it. It's two <laughs> Beach Boys for me or something like that. Yeah. They're, like every so often the Pixies will pop into like a beach song, like Surfer Rosa, yeah. the album before this one. Like that's yeah. like a like a surfer song, right? Like a Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of weird. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't vibe with the rest of the album, like the album art, the album feel. So I just not that I won't listen to it if it doesn't vibe, but I just was like, eh, it's a not really cool not really turning like the pushing the buttons of like interest yeah. um monkey's gone to heaven is great though um even though that's a little bit more uh poppy in terms of uh, i should go back a bit sorry um that's right. here comes your man it just doesn't feel like it matches and i'm not really a fan of that it doesn't matter what if it's like poppy or that sort of thing but yeah Monkey's Gone to Heaven, though, feels like the same kind of mood and tone, and it, I really liked that one. Um, it feels like the moody songs of the 90s kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, a bit of, um, who did God shuffle his feet, uh, crash test oh. dummies, like that kind <laughs> of thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, some tracks like Mr. Greaves, Clackety Jones, La La Love You, didn't really grab me as much. Yeah, no. Um, number 13, Babies, um, is really cool. And um, Silver is very different than the rest, like Irish folk energy sort of feel. Mm. Um, they have a really, it's a really diverse album when you think about it. Like it's it's hard to kind of nail down in genre, especially for like 1989. It's not... Mm not what I imagined for that time period. You know, this is, um, yeah, it's just, it's quite, um, it feels a little bit more like mid nineties sort of stuff. If, if you know what I mean, like, yeah. Um, Nirvana and, and kind of like that Interpol sort of feel at points, not all the time, obviously, but yeah. So I, I, I liked it. it. It's good. I'd reckon Nirvana is pretty heavily influenced by, um, this band. There's a lot of work, a lot of grunge artists were um, this album. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Again, the production is so much cleaner than I expected. Um, 
uh, some, you know what I mean? Like when a band, I guess that was the, the way things were done. Like even when a band sounded really raw live, when they went and kind of went into a studio, that was just the done thing. It was always produced a little bit more cleanly than, like even when you listen to Nevermind, like that feels like it's produced so much more um, like cleanly than mm. the band is themselves. Anyway, that's just... Maybe I'm yeah. just making things up. Possibly. Well, I think I think Doolittle in particular is or was a struggle between the producer to like make something palatable for people to listen to and the band who wanted to like keep being weirder and weirder. And Yeah, right. Um yep. so like a lot of these songs are kind of like a push between that. So like things like the gated snare that you mentioned, those mm. were like done in post production after the band yeah. had finished recording to try to make it more um Appealing to people at the time. Yeah. And I don't want to be like um, uh, like a bit of a chronological snob, but I do like <laughs> that we have more control over the way we do production now and that like a band can be really specific about what it is that they want to sound like yeah. rather than kind of things being always... I mean, every there are fads in production, which we always go through, um, but there is a sense in which a band like, you know, Aiden Knight from last time, how he really went for a particular genre and yeah. production. So, yeah. It's interesting. Maybe one day we'll get to this and I'll, I'll give you their album. But the first album by The Strokes is um, often regarded as both like produced for such a specific sound. Mm. And some people think it sounds terrible. And some people think it sounds like perfect for what the songs are. And it's this weird kind of like in the the 2000s, like, oh, we can produce things differently now. And I'm just kind of like one of those moments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I don't think that we've got it perfect now in terms of production and being able to do what we want, but I just like there's a bit more freedom. And I think the Pixies would have sounded different if they'd like independently produced it or something like that. But <laughs> For sure. I don't think, I don't think they would have had the gear in 1989 to kind of do that. Yeah. Yeah. You probably would have lost a lot of the lovely Kim deal bass lines if it was independently produced. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Got it. Uh, yeah. All yeah, right. That's good. Thanks for that. The Pixies. The Pixies. Yeah. Well, shall we move on to honorable mentions? Yeah, let's do it. I have been listening to a few things and I don't want to take too long, um, <laughs> but Jacob Wilde has a new EP out. So I talked about Jacob Wilde last year um, with his full album that came out. We talked a bit about him being kind of like um, the, you know, successes to the Middle East kind of. I mean, I mentioned that. I really like his vocal style and his songwriting and this new EP he's released is called Love in Reverse mm. and it's very beautiful. I've listened to it a bunch of times. It says five songs about the same thing written at different times and placed in reverse chronological <laughs> order. Yeah. So I recommend checking it out. It's a very good narrative and it's a it's beautiful songwriting. Particular favourite is um, Why Don't You Hate Me? So, yeah, check that out. <laughs> um. Two that have been connected. I saw a musical recently, which um, 
I have been meaning to mention to you. It's called Come From Away, and it's um, it's set in Gander, Newfoundland. Um, okay. And it's about uh, 9-11 and when all the planes were grounded and 38 planes are redirected to this town of 6,000 in Newfoundland. Yeah. Um, and they had to look after 7,000 people. And so um, it's it's a pretty amazing musical um, and obviously very moving and very intense at times. But the music is beautiful. It's like Irish, you know, Cayley kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been just playing that around the house and our daughter has been loving it, which then led me to play her river dance. So I wanted to <laughs> just do a little nod to both Come From Away for its influence and then also river dance for its kind of Irishness. Oh, and it's such, I mean, it's a bit 80s. It's a, like some of the stuff is a little bit funny, but like, yeah. you know, the the reels are beautiful and the way they do things it's is also kind of like film irish versus like actual irish people yeah i know it's a little bit produced but there are still <laughs> some like beautiful melodies yeah. i was telling was telling jess that i need to actually find a good playlist of like classic irish reels cuz she's like it's a bit too slow and it's like yeah it's cuz it's it's from a bigger production there's like yeah, but some of the playing is still incredible. So I, I can um, hook you up with some people, maybe if you want. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. <laughs> um, two more. Um, one, I, I actually. It seems like the last week before we record, I have like an influx of artists that I suddenly start <laughs> listening to. It's like the first two weeks or first week are often a bit like slow and steady, mm. and then suddenly they all just pile on. So. Just in the past few days, I've been listening to an artist called Adrian Lenka. Have you heard of her? No. Um, Singer-songwriter, just like acoustic and vocals, very bare, very like emotional, like kind of emotive, um, frail sort of voice, but incredibly beautiful. I'm going to chuck a couple of tracks on the playlist. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was put onto this by a friend of mine, Joel Brandt. So cheers and thanks to him. Um, and lastly, I want to talk just briefly about old Coldplay. <laughs> you knew this was coming. I, I warned you. Um, we don't have to solve the world's problems, but, um, I just, I, I heard a really bad cover of a Milo Zoloto song recently. And it was like, this is so bad. I need to like cleanse the palate. And so I listened to X and Y, A Rush of Blood parachutes and live 2003 (laughs) yeah and i feel like i'm cleansed so um what do we love about old coldplay josh yeah we've talked about this before we are (laughs) we're definitely coldplay apologists i think because i've heard a lot of people talk about how x and y as the start of the decline of coldplay no 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 no. it's not yeah yeah. and and we and we disagree on that so strongly because i think x and y is a fantastic album especially especially Mm. the back half of it it is yeah some of their most creative and well put together songwriting i think um oh my goodness yes um (laughs) so i like there's something about um the first like four ish albums of coldplay's library you know your Hmm. your parachutes to your viva la vida where you have these guys have like really creative ability to make 
pop songs that are um, not like that hard to make or to play, but are mm. put together so well. And yeah, um, I I just don't know what happened to them. Like they like had the, the skill of writing a great melody and the skill of putting that arranging that melody in a way where you don't get bored. Yeah. Like if you think about a classic song like In My Place, right? You know, it's just this octave on the electric guitar. Like like really easy. Four beautiful chords. They do use things like the three chord a bit and two. So they are using not very traditional pop song chord progressions. And, I mean, Chris Martin uses the jankiest guitar tunings. Like if you go through their songbook, like every single song is in a different random tuning. Um, but they have these beautiful melodies and they don't like overdo them, but they don't underdo them either because sometimes you want to hear a melody just the right amount. (laughs) And yeah. And in my place, there's always like their structure used to be intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and then some sort of outro development where they take the melody, the main guitar riff or something and add this other outro sort of vocal line to it. And that's like the hardest part and that's like yellow and that's like um, fix you and all these ones, you know, had this similar sort of structure but didn't feel like just carbon copies of each other. Yeah. I don't know what, yeah. And then something happened for me actually, Viva La Vida is the, the start of decline. Like there are some beautiful songs in there but I look back and go, uh, they just, yeah, they just kind of were like doing something that just didn't resonate with me personally. So yeah, I mean, like I even, I even find their album Ghost Stories to be quite interesting. We and we've talked about this mm. together. Yeah, know, yeah. Over over the years, but I think, like, I, I don't know what it is about their approach to making pop music that changed, but. All of like the energy and life and musical interestingness has just evaporated. Like I've listened to their most recent album. I, I tried a number of times. Really? I haven't and it was to it. <laughs> it was so bad. Like it was okay. Like nothing about it was redeemable, I felt. And mm, like sad. that made me really sad because I think even like Milo Zylado has like a song or two that are like, okay, this is kind of fun listening. Yeah, Charlie Brown is quite beautiful. Yeah, but man, like this did the live album, live two thousand and three. Um, oh my goodness, and that is they gold. Have, they have such like fun playing, like they're they're full of energy. They're having a great time. The songs feel alive, and mm. I just like you don't really kind of get the same thing as you go mm. later and later. I don't know. Listeners need to do themselves a favor and track down the live 2003 film. So I looked on YouTube and they don't have all the tracks. That was my first um, kind of film uh, live DVD that I ever bought. And it kind of changed the way I looked at live music. Like, so they recorded that in Australia, proud moment at the (laughs) Horton Pavilion. And the, the light show and just the way that, show was constructed was so so well done they brought a new life to some of the 
their songs they'd already sung as well. Things like A Rush of Blood to the Head. Yeah. Um, I find the studio version a bit boring, but the live version with like this this slide and like the way they play it, every song on that that live album in my mind is brilliant. Like I don't think there's a dud on there. So I don't know. Oh, That's just my bias. Maybe I've said enough now and I can kind of leave this to rest. <laughs> but, um, Here's a bit of, mu- bit of music trivia for you, Asher. The first yeah. CD I ever bought with my own money was mm-hmm. A Rush of Blood to the Head. Nice. That's it awesome. It was a good record. I don't think mine was nearly as nasty <laughs> as that. I'm afraid to admit it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that was one of the first dvds i bought i bought the because it was a little like dvd of the live show and the live album of live 2003 and yeah that was that was kind of my cold play because i didn't actually own the studio albums yet i'd heard them and then i bought this because it had like a whole bunch of them on it so i went backwards then and things like see you soon as well is one of my favorite songs of theirs and that's off their blue room ep um but that's gorgeous and Anyway, I, I don't want to turn this into another review, but um, <laughs> maybe we'll touch on it later. Maybe I should re-listen to Ghost Stories um, because I only have listened to it as an instrumental. <laughs> We're not supposed to have those, actually. You can't tell them. <laughs> okay, we have sorry. instrumental versions of their albums. I bought the full version just to make sure that I was legal-ish. Okay, no details. <laughs> okay. Um, Let's move on to your honorable mention so this show doesn't go on for an hour and a half. Sure, 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 sure. Um, okay, so first up, I have been um, really enjoying the latest record from uh, the Black Keys. Um, it's an album oh, yeah, yeah. Delta Cream with a K. And it's a cover album of a handful of traditional blues rock pieces, kind of perfect for summertime. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the most I enjoy of it actually is the slide guitar work which i don't think is actually being done by a member of the band ironically um all oh, right there's a couple guest musicians on this album and mm. um i think it's really interesting to hear old blues songs with modern compressors and recording habits because the drums sound crisp on this record they sound really oh, nice. great um especially on the record player i think they sound really really nice um mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. If you're looking for like some blues to go through, that's kind of easily palatable. Mm-hmm. I think this album's really great. Um, On your fancy new record player <laughs> with a light to show you where to put your needle. Uh, new fang gang, fang dangled so, technology. So extravagant. Um, <laughs> uh, second, we never actually talked about this. Um, hmm. Probably the uh, the a recording of. A fill set at Glastonbury. Um, so Tom York and Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead and a drummer called Tom Skinner um, mm-hmm. got together and kind of put together a gig, a set list, and they played. They've played once so far, and nobody really knows if they're gonna play again or make an album. We don't really have any inclination for that. This is the smile. This is the smile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to my shame, I haven't actually listened to it yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's right. It's um, it's interesting. It's it's an eclectic kind of collection of some more punkier pieces, um, some more kind of like the Latin electronic vibe of King of Limbs, um, mm-hmm. 
And so it's a weird mix and you kind of get to see um, they all kind of Tommy, Tommy and John kind of swap instruments like the bass and guitar for different songs. And so it's kind of a weird, it's a different vibe and hmm. um, I'm curious to where it goes, maybe nowhere, but it's very different. Hmm. Um, and it's enough to tide people over at least for a little bit, I think until something else comes up from Radiohead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do uh, have something else coming out. Yes. They uh, probably an anniversary edition of Kid A and Amnesia coming out sometime. So I look forward to mm. that this year. Mm. Um, and then last but not least, I have been going through the latest album from Lord Huron. Um, oh, I didn't know you knew about Lord Huron. Called Long Lost. Um, mm. Yeah, this is kind of a... I should have assumed, sorry. How how dare you? Um, sorry. This, yeah, th- so this album is more um, more Western than their other music is, and if that makes sense yeah, to you. other music was pretty Western. <laughs> yeah, so this album kind of draws a, a line between, like, old, sad cowboy music and um, some, like, modern singer-songwriter stuff. And mm. there's like clips from the Grand Ole Opry interposed between some of the songs. Um, I need to give it a little more time, I think, but it's very, very kind of old cowboy in some parts. And right, sometimes yeah. it's kind of, it's nice. Sometimes it's a little overdrawn for me, but um, a lot of really nice melodies and like acoustic guitar work on this album. So, um, yeah. Yeah. They do some beautiful stuff. Um, I um I really like the stranger. That's probably my favorite song of theirs. Yeah. Um it's an older one but I haven't honestly listened to them in a long time. So maybe I should check this out. That would be cool. I ca- I kind of give them the vibe of they're like Fleet Foxes if they were actually fun to be around. <laughs> sure. <laughs> just, just jab at Fleet Foxes. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that, that's all I have for now. So, All right, maybe we should leave it there. <laughs> I don't know how long this show has gone for so far. All right, thank you for listening to our uh, 30th episode of What We're Listening To. It's pretty awesome. Mature things from uh, only on from, you know, I'll try that again. <laughs> only mature content from now on. No jokes, nothing. Yeah. Um, please please check us out on the usual social medias you know Facebook Instagram Twitter um, check out our website for you know blog posts from Josh and our Instagram we put up um, some albums uh, that sometimes make it into reviews and other times not uh, on our Instagram page and Twitter and that sort of thing so yeah we try and stay active and, and give you some uh, weekly sorts of things to check out and uh, yeah Thank you so much for listening to this episode and please share us around or give us a rating on um, Apple Podcasts and that sort of thing. Uh, Spread the word, spread the love and we'll see you next time. See you, Josh. See you, mate.